Welcome to episode 40 of the Tech Gypsies podcast. I'm Audrey Waters. And I'm Ken Lane. Episode 40, pretty impressive, huh? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm proud of us. And we're actually, maybe I shouldn't announce it until we actually do it, but we're actually thinking of adding another feature, a bit like um, how um, NPR's music podcast does a plus one podcast. So not our normal, not our normal sort of banter about the week's politics of tech, but instead we thought we would do an episode weekly, we hope, a, a little short uh, little short episode on the history of a particular piece of tech or tech legislation or something along those lines. Yeah, I think history uh, feeds into yours and my work quite often, and whether it's the history of compute or the overlap with teaching machines, I think there's a lot of little nuggets out there that we want to explore. Yeah, so look for that. Hopefully, if we can pull it together um, starting this week. Yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm excited about that. But yeah, 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 we suck at uh, at announcing things in a grand fashion. I know. Well. And maybe once we get, we did speak with Brian Mathers last week about doing some um, logos and stuff for the podcast. Um, so maybe we'll actually pull it all together and get better at promoting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. I, th- I think that'll be the, the catalyst, the, the site, the podcast, the, the plus one podcast, the, um, the underground history. And then we can, uh, um, we'll see what happens. Keep beating this drum. I'm, I'm excited. So do you have any uh, stuff to report from your your world? <laughs> from my world? Um, no. Like, what I mean, have you been up to this week? This week was weird. Yeah, it was It was another. I mean, I, I think that's going to be part for the course, though, right? Um, um, yeah, just working on my, um, I'm working on polishing my API research and get it out there in a, in a kind of new way. Um, just a handful of, of separate little publications. That's kind of the... I guess after six years, my work's getting polished enough that I feel like I can put it out there in a more kind of design polished way, and that's what I'm working on. Um, and then beyond that, just um, other storytelling. I mean, that's why the, the the potential of the history podcast excites me because I'm more interested in kind of uh, stories that reflect the time we're in right now, and both the technical of it, I think, and the API thing feeds into it a lot but I think just um, I feel like we're reliving a lot of things in history right now that we shouldn't be we should have already learned the lessons from and so um, storytelling about um, other things um, really excites me Um, so so, yeah yeah Yeah, I mean me too I mean I think that part of the motivation for me at least to come up with the idea to do a little history piece is um, this week you know I'm I'm struck not just how we're sort of you know sort of the Santiana, like those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it, but also the, um, this idea that, um, like, how did we get here? And so I was, you know, you and I were chatting this week about all of the very odd goings on with the intelligence communities and, um, put a little asterisk next to that word intelligence, right? We'll come back to that. But like, what is the history of, of the intelligence agencies in the United States, right? When did, when were they formed? What were they tasked with initially? Why, why was there deemed to be a need for the CIA, the FBI, the NSA? Um, and you know, again, how do those connect to the politics of technology and the politics of education. Um, so, uh, 
so that's that's I think for me what make what makes um, what makes the the notion. I mean, part of it's for me is just like learning, learning about these connections, thinking, um, f- discovering you know discovering these connections, these powerful networks that we don't always pay attention to, uh, and purposefully so they don't necessarily want us to scrutinize their existence. Well, I mean, I'm I'm fascinated by what I mean. I've been working on government stuff for a while, and. But what each agency does, what's their kind of mandate, what's their mission, why do they exist? And then from my side of things, looking at the data and and their kind of API and, and information sharing approaches. And then this new layer of, well, how do they use social media as well? There's an API out there for, you know, getting a list of all the government agencies, getting a list of what they do by tag. So you can get a tag cloud for each government agency and then you can get a list of all their social accounts so their their twitter their facebook and how they use social and so all of that's super fascinating to me but how do we distill that down into well what are the motivations of these different law enforcement agencies and it's really a two-way street like what's in it for them putting information out there on all these channels and what's in it for them as far as understanding what we're all thinking and wanting and doing via these channels and then you add in Russia and you add in all of these but I think really understanding what the CIA and NSA and these different groups motivations are um, I think their history is plays a big part of that yeah um, yeah so that's that's that so um, I think last week we talked about we you know we kind of touched on a little bit but um, really kind of wanted to talk more about the Internet of Things. And, um, you know, I keep them a separate world. I keep Internet of Things as kind of my big umbrella tent, but I have a separate one where I put what I call voice enablement or conversational interfaces, and m- namely Siri, Alexa, and now... Is there a name for Google's home thing? Home, I believe. Just home, okay. So this this uh you know i wanted to talk about this this voice enablement part of it because i really feel like i mean i look at it it's not just these devices um amazon just happens to be the most um sophisticated from a technical sense in how they're approaching their platform and they have what they call skills that they uh develop for each of these um these devices and these these skills are um, even though the process for getting developers to build these and companies to partner up to create um, kind of the connections behind these skills, um, they're still pretty simple, like, you know, and pretty um, buying things oriented, buying things on Amazon, searching for something on Amazon Prime, searching for a book, buying it, um, playing a song that you, you already bought on Amazon. So all these things are very uh, commerce oriented and very simple, but one of the stories from this week was that was super awesome was that um, there was a, a newscaster that that had they were talking about Alexa and actually had um, made the command for Alexa to order something, which then echoed into every um, people's um, at home that were watching and told their Alexa to buy um, purchase a dollhouse is what they were what they were talking about, and which I think is a is a fascinating look at the future. Yeah, I mean, and there have been several um, ads on television that people have said, you know, triggers their Alexa to turn on. And we've talked, we talked previously about, um, I think we did at least, about the the court case, the the murder case in which the police had um, requested um, the suspect's uh, Alexa. They had they had requested 
um, the Alexa logs in the hopes that there had been some ambient um, recording that they could use. And they had al they'd also requested um, the information from his uh, nest, I believe it was. Um, but, but, but because Alexa, um, when Alexa hears these, the, these triggers, it turns on and briefly, it briefly does log things. If nothing happens, it shuts off. But, um, but Alexa is sort of all like, and all of these devices really are really in the business of a an ambient listening. That's how they know to sort of perk up and turn on and respond when you say something is that they're always on. Um, they're always, um, not necessarily recording, but, um, but when they do turn on, they, they are, they are logging. Um, so you have to think about what does that mean to be able to, what does that mean when you've made the decision to bring this particular surveillance device into your home? And it's like you said, it's a corporate surveillance device. Um, in the case of Amazon, they're really primarily interested in selling you Amazon products. Um, and they've, you know, they promised at CES last week that, and people seemed quite, ex although I don't know if you can judge anything by journalists' response to CES, but journalists said that the sort of voice-activated stuff was the big, the big thing at CES, even though Amazon wasn't really there, that a lot of, a lot of things were boasting that they would have this sort of Alexa integration. Including Ford. Ford was one of the, uh, People now or companies that announced this week that you know, you'd be able to have uh, voice commands in your car eventually is what they're looking at. And I was looking at a list of you know what are the the things coming out of CES and and um, you know there's everything for the home you know your tooth your toothbrush your um, blinds all these devices and like you said your Nest um, was part of that one court case. But when it comes to Google Home, you know, and, and all of them actually is is integrating and building a kind of ecosystem of all of these things. So your all your appliances are talking to each other. All of them are sharing information. All of them are accessible to each other. But there's definitely a hierarchy and that puts um, whoever is the hub, the kind of the Alexa hub, the Google Home hub, the, the Apple um, hub. They're kind of have a certain command and control because they... They control the the interfaces to the cloud. What what you know how things happen, but I love that all of these devices are susceptible to to just random turning ons and turning off. You've had experiences where you've been been at people's houses and and had it turn on, and I'm um, we don't own one, so we don't know this firsthand. So we have to learn through other people's stories. But how these devices just randomly can be triggered either through the television, through the radio, through outside noises, through, through conversation, through conversation. And create a, a time stamp in the log and that allows, um, you know, then for that, that period of time something something to be gathered or tracked or logged or um, some interaction with some other device. Um, it's it's fascinating stuff. I I mean, I this, this is going to sound very like get off my lawn, a very sort of get off my lawn comment, but I don't actually understand the appeal of a lot of the voice activation things, right? Like you and I, we have a television that we have Apple TV. Um, uh, I guess maybe we'll talk a little bit about Apple TV or Apple in general uh, later in the podcast, but we have an Apple TV and it does have the ability, it does have a Siri capability so that you could speak into the remote control or I uh, speak, yeah, speak into the remote control. And instead of using what is a really lousy interface on the Apple TV, you should be able to, you know, say what you want to watch and, and Apple TV finds it. But we, we have never, we have literally never used that. 
Uh, I, I, there was that one time we came home drunk from the bar. I remember using it. I remember. <laughs> but like, and like, I don't use, I've, I think I've used Siri on my phone um, while driving to text, I send, you know, to, to text, but like, I don't actually even, I don't actually understand the appeal of a lot of these things. And particularly when it comes to um, the, the sort of desire to connect a lot of home appliances. Like I heard someone say that one of the, that Whirlpool was going to have voice activation in all of their washers and dryers. Now, like, I don't understand. Like, is it that, like, it's not like they actually load the dirty, the dirty clothes in there and then automatically add laundry detergent and then wash them and then load the dryer like, I don't understand what the purpose of having voice activation is. You still have to, like, put your clothes in there. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, mean, I don't understand the, the purpose of a voice-activated car. I mean, I guess, like, maybe turn the, turn the radio station away from Rush Limbaugh so that you're not fucking with the dial. But, like, I, I think a lot of, I don't, the, a lot of these voice-activated things, um, I'm not sure that they're really solving, like, what, like, Voice activated oven? I don't know. Like, fucking get up and turn the fucking oven on. Like, is it that? Like, is it that hard? Well, I think. I mean, definitely, we are not. The I know because we don't. We don't this. get up and like t- change. Like, I know that this is very much like getting up and like changing the channel on the television. Like, people were definitely like, I don't understand the remote control on the television. Can't you get off off your ass and change the dial? And like now, we obviously can't. But like, um, I I I still feel as though like. There's like the voice act, like everyone I hear people say all the time that voice is going to be the new interface that we should pay attention to. And sure, okay, maybe, you know, a lot of the type interfaces um, aren't particularly, the user experience isn't particularly wonderful. But I, I just, I'm not sure why, I'm not sure why we're applying voice to everything. I think, uh, again, like I think that this is just an example of how consumption really consumption and consumerism really are the primary drive for these things rather than actually solving any sort of meaningful meaningful product well and i um i mean i agree I, voice doesn't isn't isn't well how i'm you know even if it's there in i i'm in the uh, in the office right now in the other room from you even if I have voice enablement, I'm just not going to do it. I just don't like talking that much. I mean, maybe for certain A type personalities, that's um, fun, and that'll 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 stick. Those will be good customers. And I think for another layer of people, it'll be a novelty and kind of a an entertainment factor. But I I, I can only see that lasting so long. And then with all the glitches we're hearing, and then sure, I'm sure a lot of people love to just laugh at us that we're we're paranoid freaks. But uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, the surveillance thing is real. I it mean, is it's real. like it is real. And it and and then I just think from the from the putting you in a box, I mean, allowing you to be put in a box in your own home and like, here's the 138 commands that you should be saying to get what you want every day. You want a pizza, you say Domino's this and that. You and wanna... you say Domino's, right? You don't actually say like the amazing pizza, local pizza restaurant. It's all connected no. to chains, right? Like the Amazon little push buttons that you push so that they automatically send you new laundry detergent. Like all of that stuff is like big multinational awful corp global corporations you don't push the button so that you get like you know locally sourced green quote-unquote green stuff it's like the big shitty johnson and johnson unilever company crap 
What, what's our amazing local, the name of our amazing local pizza? Um, I think it's called Local 90. Local 90, yeah, they're amazing. And, and I love walking down there as a human being and talking to other human beings and getting an amazing Well, pie. let's not go too far. All right, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> But I mean the I mean yeah and and so I think it's gonna always be there. I think it'll evolve. I think there will be always be a market. Um, it seems like just waves and waves of these things. Um, there's people willing to line up. But also I think most of them are gonna become the you know the latest juicer and blender that's um, pasta maker that's in, under the cabinet that rarely get, ever gets used. Um, and I think once there's enough of these problems um, around people being tracked, showing up in court cases. I think um, I think we're going to see some other discussions. Hopefully, maybe I don't know. You know, I mean, the there was um, news before. I think it was right before CES, and I'm sure it was a an, an, a product that was showcased there. That Mattel said that they were building um, like an Alexa sort of um, device for kids, so that it would be like baby monitor slash child monitor slash Alexa, so that kids could. Um, and the way in which that was that was covered in Fast Company, which is pretty much the worst publication on the planet, like the way it was covered was that like you know um, robots are going to raise your children, um, kind of thing, which to me it was sort of echoes of television. You know, these this conversation probably thirty. 40 years ago about television raising your children, um, but this idea that 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 we would even that we would you know, have this kind of surveillance technology in our children's bedroom is, is I think, really horrific. But then again, people have gone all in on baby monitors, um, despite baby monitors being eminently hackable and a huge security risk um, in your home. And just actually an unnecessary, uh, like an utterly unnecessary, again, utterly unnecessary consumer object that we seem to have confused surveilling children with caring about children. And like somehow you're a better, you're a better parent if you surveil your, your child all the time. Uh, baby monitors, I think, are horrific. And again, they're, you know, they're, they're not secure. Um, and yet no one has really, you know, again, I think it's a very, this notion of a very sort of um, middle-class piece of consumption that you absolutely must have a baby monitor. Well, that, I mean, that's the target audience of CES is that 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 middle middle to upper class who has the 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 the, the resources to throw away on these types of novelties and toys and and play with these things. But I think what's so um, disturbing about it all for me is that it, these are the people who can also you know afford all of this. They're plugging it, the this into their their internet network and oh right sure you you know you you're a squeaky clean family. You don't care about surveillance. You don't care about you know what you're doing being tracked at any point in time. But like they're playing on your fears with the baby monitor, with the home security camera, all these totally. things. And then all these things, as we saw with the latest wave of Internet of Things attacks, is they're playing on these these insecurities people have about brown people, about their babies, about their you know neighborhood and the world around them. And then they're plugging these things in, and their networks are being owned. <laughs> and so they're you know 169 sports dollar sports package plus Internet um, bandwidth is being sucked up by and used as part of these networks to like oh maybe sway elections change how people think and feel suppress people who are actually talking about internet of things security and all of that and so it's this fucked up fucking just 
twisted dystopian kind of fantasy that that people live in when they have this type of privilege to be able to plug these devices into their network. Yeah, I mean, none of these things. I mean, and this is you know, this is a refrain I I say again and again with ed tech in general. Like, there's you know, there's really not research that demonstrates that these things are. Um, have any sort of efficacy, right? Like having a baby monitor isn't going to stop your child from dying of SIDS. Like it's, it's not like, these are not medical, like these are not, (laughs) this isn't a medically, a medically approved FDA approved device, right? This is, this is a consumer pieces of consumer technology that has been sold to you along with this larger ideology that surveillance is good. And that if you're constantly tracking your child or that if your home is somehow all connected, that you're safer um, and that you're somehow more efficient, your home operates more efficiently, you buy things more efficiently. Um, and it's it's really a bill of goods, right? It's really just this ideological move that is trying to sell us this notion that more data, you know, if we can just gather more and more data, somehow we will perfect humanity. And, you know, my fear is that as we gather more and more data, what we do is we expose ourselves to more and more risk um, of of surveillance, of corporate surveillance, of government surveillance, and then this algorithmic profile profile building that really makes it quite easy to identify um, people's, affini- people's political affinities, their religious affinities, um, and you know, should things should things go south, right, in the U.S. or or anywhere, um, really, there's a very handy um, database uh, in which people the, in which we know we know who you are, we know what you believe, um, and I think that, it, that exposing children to to that from the get-go also raises them to believe that such things are normal and necessary. And I, I mean, I think it's just author- it's just like technological authoritarianism that somehow we think it's exciting because they have a fucking Las Vegas show every year about it. Well, and we're, um, you know, I think you sent out a tweet this morning um, uh, that had something to this effect that, you know, they're not pulling the levers, levers and knobs. We're doing it for them. You know, yay that that uh, your Alexa, Amazon just trained you through your Alexa to say 128 commands that are precise enough and connected to brands and companies that, that get you um, these responses that you expect, a pizza, a book, uh, you know, a new movie. Um, but it's not anything, um, you know... Um, allowing you to think out of the box and actually be someone and then yet you're increasing this fingerprint that they have they knew who you were via facebook and 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 you gave them this fingerprint but now you're letting that into your home you're letting into your thermostat you're letting into your kids room it's it owns your 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 network hub not just every time you go onto facebook it's your network hub what you're watching on tv well and then it's you it's their data right the terms of service of these make it really clear that right now as it stands i would imagine that most people assume that that what happens in their home, and this is you know this is of course our our expectation based on the law. What happens on the on your home is is private, right? Um, and what the things that the that you might think that the data that's generated in your home is also private. Like so, what we had for breakfast is private information, right? We you and I generated you know you know we, there's there's. Um, we 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 had a meal today, but 
it's, it's private information. But once these things become internet connected, oftentimes the terms of service say that that's no longer your data, right? So if you use the Wi-Fi connected um, saucepan, right? Like, or if you push a button that says, oh, time to order more um, oh, Quaker oats, lots of folks suddenly now own the data that we had oatmeal for breakfast rather than it being private information. And it, we don't actually own that data any longer because it becomes this sort of monetizable, trackable um, data that really then that means that all the kinds of things that happen in our house, how many times you flush the toilet, how, how many ounces of shampoo you use in a shower, what temperature you set your thermostat is no longer your private data, right? And it's, it's not even necessarily, you know, this is stuff that really we couldn't, I mean, some of this stuff, of course, you know, again, in a, in a criminal, in sort of criminal circumstances, you know, detectives would sort of sleuth around through some of this stuff. And certainly they would, you know, they would get a warrant and um, search your house, right? They would get a warrant and go to the, um, go to the phone company and get your phone records. But once it's not your data, it's a really different set of set of processes, right? Because it's not actually, like, it's not actually about, about you having sort of the legal control. Well, I'm, I'm still like at this front line of, of research that I've been doing for six years now on APIs, modeling out this world where these websites that we went to on the internet, um, usually through a box in the corner of our house or the box in the corner of our office, we'd go to these websites. And as they pushed into these new mobile devices that we have in our pockets, they use this thing called APIs. And I wanted to understand, well, what does that mean? You know, you have these platforms like Facebook and Twitter and Google, and they're, we're um, taking pictures and uploading it to their sites. We're taking uh, video and uploading it to the sites. Oh, it's tracking our every location and position and and search and going to the site. And as I'm trying to understand those bits that I create every day, um, this is something I'm working on right now um, and, and looking at deeply, how do I own some of that? Because I'm trying to make money and trying to make a living in this environment. But as that's going on, like the rest of the world is doing this rapid shift towards, hey, mobile was great. We made a fuckload of money off everyone's data there. Let's roll all of these fucking devices, their thermostat, their baby monitors, all these things into their houses. And we're going to just exponentially, boom, expand that fingerprint without ever having a conversation about what this is all about. And so people are just welcoming that in. And I just don't know how to how to, you know, keep my arms around. It's just growing too fast and people are so unaware that it's occurring. Yeah, I mean, and I think that there are a number of there are a number of things that we already have in place. I mean, to bring it back to what we said at the, you know, at the beginning talking about these sort of histories of technology that we're going to start start telling is that, you know, how did we get to this place? It's not as though all of a sudden, it's not as though this sort of compulsion for data suddenly appeared with, with the founding of Google, right? It's not as though all of a sudden that we had this sort of impulse to, um, to turn around and buy brand new um, internet-connected teapots um, annually. Like, they're, like th this connects to other trends and other forces, structural, cultural, societal, political, financial, um, in, you know, in our, in our society. And I think that tech in particular has really positioned itself to be the sort of ideal sort of consumer product that, uh, that perpetually wants to sell you something new, right? It's very, it's a very different sort of ideology around, 
um, t new digital technologies than exist around, for example, home appliances, right? You would, like, I think when my dad passed away, like, um, I think that in the house that, that he had lived in for, I don't know, I think 40 some odd years, um, that they had, that he had, I think, replaced the water heater once, uh, still had the same furnace. He had replaced the washer and dryer once. Um, and, but now once you, once you're sold on these new sort of um, newer models that again have a pretty fragile computer um, chips and stuff inside them they don't last there's not a notion that you're going to buy a, a water heater and it's going to last you you know 25 years you're going to buy a water heater and it's going to last you too and these things are going to be I mean you know so one the the home platform um, whoever controls the home platform, whether it's Google, whether it's Apple or Amazon or Microsoft, and it will be those four that are competing for this control over your home network or hub, those people will be able to set the terms. And, and then with the partners and the people who build the apps on those app ecosystems, do the, the lesser devices, the individual devices and appliances that go onto that, they'll be given a little piece of the pie and what they can do, but they'll all dictate the terms of service and the obsolescence of this. And this will be done, um, you know, at the, at the, the, the app and the OS level. Oh, you know, that thing's too slow. It won't run it. It's too, you know, it can't handle it. Oh, you got to get the latest next. And, and you experience this. I mean, just with, you know, um, speaking of Apple and, and just with your Mac ecosystem, as far as being able to um, just use your basic computer, we're not even talking about, you know, advanced home, home Internet of Things networking. Yeah, this was my frustration this week was that um, over the holidays, I decided partially because I like sat on my ass from all of November and all of December working on my um, urine review stuff that I was like, holy crap, I haven't like moved from the kitchen table in two months. So I decided I was going to get a standing desk, got myself a very nice standing desk, um, and then realized working on a standing desk that my eyes are really um, not so great. They never have been. And that I could use a monitor. I haven't used a monitor in a really long time, partially because you and I, um, we travel all the time and I had just gotten really accustomed to only using the laptop screen. Um, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll get a monitor. Um, Apple no longer makes monitors. They got out of the monitor business. Um, but when I bought a new monitor, um, from Apple an LG monitor, it was not compatible with my Mac, right? So in my MacBook, MacBook air is not old. Um, it's, 2000 we got it in early 2015 so it's it's less than two years old and already in order to sort of um to be able to use a monitor now a new to be able to get a new monitor the deal was you know you have to like get a new mac and i'm just like this and again sort of being trapped in this um being trapped in this sort of consumption cycle that is super um it's super frustrating. Well, and it's, I mean, it's, it's going to be just like social is um, right now to us when it comes to just digital information. It's just being extended to the physical objects in our world. They're going to totally frustrate us, annoy us, push us notifications, throw up funky error messages, um, not be compatible, drop off the network, and then be owned and um, by, you know, um, outside forces, whether it's the, the companies who sold it to them, to us, the third parties who sold it 
you know, were resellers or, you know, Russian agents trying to, you know, change how, uh, uh, how things are working in the world. Yeah. I mean, and I think that this is, you know, this is, this is the piece that we have to remember that there is, there is this piece that's the, the data piece, but then there's the hardware piece. Um, you know, the tech loves to talk about the cloud as though it is this amorphous, nebulous, non-existent, magical thing that lives in the sky but the cloud is still metal it's still machine it still takes electricity it actually isn't it actually exists somewhere even if you're using some sort of virtualization there still actually is a machine somewhere that's 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 doing this and so you know we have to think about the you know we have to think about the, all of the layers of of this and sort of again how we're being driven to buy new things under this premise and promise of that more data and more connectivity is better. And I think that, you know, I think that what we're are certainly, I'm hoping more people recognize, particularly with what's become more obvious to, to some people, that the politics of these technologies of the people building these tools, of the people promoting these tools, they're not progressive, right? Peter Thiel is not some sort of anomaly. He's par for the course. He's just a, he's a representative that was just willing to get in line first behind Donald Trump. But he's actually not so far out of line of the rest of what the larger ideology of tech is. And, you know, for my world, that's something that I really want people in ed tech to pay attention to. Because people are really excited about Internet of Things crap in their classrooms. And again, what are we doing, you know, what what kind of um, what kind of future are we building in which, like I said earlier, you know we've decided that um, we don't actually care. We don't care about one another. We don't care about civic or individual well-being, but we are going to do this performance around surveillance, and that's what stands in its place. Yeah, um, and and we're letting we're just opening the front door to all this. Um, we're not we're not willing to figure it out in the cloud. And we're just opening the door wide open for it to come into our homes, to come into our classrooms. Um, it's it's definitely scary stuff. And this is not a, a, a partisan thing. This is not like, oh, this wasn't happening under Obama and will now happen under Trump. Lol. It is... It is uh, uh, it is this 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 dark dark wave of of technology that's been uh, approaching us for a while. Well, great. Well, that's uplifting. Um, we, but um, I guess hopefully, if if you and I get our act together, um, folks will be able to tune in, tune in midweek for a history of some sort of tech piece. Um, and then perhaps next week we can talk more. I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by Amazon's adoption of the word skill um, and how skill and artificial intelligence, um, the, the language and the meaning of these terms as we think about a more automated um, and connected uh, hellscape. What exactly, what exactly, using these terms, what are the implications in particular for education? I'm trademarking AWS Hellscape because I'm pretty sure that product line is on somewhere on the roadmap. But <laughs> thanks, Bezos. All right, till then.